Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We long for prosperity. We pray for prosperity. Lord, prosper me. And we think that this is the ideal situation. You know, if I just was, was better off financially, but yet the reality is those things can potentially dole us to our need for God, cause us to have hardened hearts, and to stop depending on the Lord. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 21 through 25. Now, here's Pastor Brian. The very mission of Jesus as the Messiah was to bring people out from oppression. And of course, first and foremost, it's the oppression of the devil and the spiritual forces, but it surely includes efforts on the part of believers to help people out of the oppressed states that they can find themselves in because of injustice. And this is exactly what God is saying here, the contrast between Jehoiakim and Josiah was Josiah did justly and Jehoiakim did not. He exploited the people for his own advantage. Josiah did not do that. And so therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall not lament for him saying, alas, my brother or alas, my sister. They shall not lament for him saying, alas, master or alas, his glory. He shall be buried with the burial of a donkey, dragged and cast out beyond the gate of Jerusalem. So that would be his um, ignominious end, dragged out and cast beyond the gate of Jerusalem. And so go up to Lebanon, cry out, lift up your voice in Bashan, cry out from Abarim. These are all the places that are sort of north and east of Israel and, and directly north and east of Jerusalem. For all your lovers are destroyed. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not hear. This has been your manner from your youth. I spoke to you in your prosperity and you would not hear. You know, it's hard to hear the voice of the Lord in the midst of prosperity. It's in the midst of prosperity that people so often turn a, a deaf ear to the Lord. And it's, it's in a time of national prosperity that nations turn a deaf ear to the Lord. You know, there's that amazing story back in the Kings and Chronicles. We studied it some time back, but it's the story of King Asa who in the earliest days of his reign, when he's almost going to be overrun and, and defeated by this Ethiopian multitude, he cries out to the Lord and the Lord delivers him and, and blesses him and spares him and saves him. And then the nation goes into like a 25-year period of prosperity and it's a blessing. It's just a time of, of great peace and prosperity. And then there is a situation that arises where one of the surrounding nations is going to come up again against Jerusalem after 25 years of peace and prosperity. And 
at this point, the king, rather than calling upon the Lord, he calls for help from the surrounding armies. And the Lord sends a prophet to him and basically says, you know, you really made a, a huge mistake here. You know, what happened? You, you called out to me before and, and I saved you from the Ethiopians. But now you're trusting in the strength of these other people and therefore your defeat is going to come. But the thing that I've always found so fascinating is that that happened in the midst of that prosperity. In the midst of the prosperity, Asa forgot the Lord. And we want prosperity. We long for prosperity. We pray for prosperity. We, Lord, prosper me. And we think that this is the ideal situation. You know, if I just was, was better off financially, but yet the reality is those things can, they potentially can dole us to our need for God, cause us to have heart and hearts and to stop depending on the Lord. And so we need to, to really be careful because this is a pattern. And, you know, I think it's, is it a proverb or, or one of the Psalms where the prayer is, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Because if I was poor, I would be tempted to steal and that would bring reproach to your name. But if I were rich, I might forget you. Wow. If I were rich, I might forget you. And so that's what happened here. In their prosperity, they wouldn't listen. They didn't need anything. And the Lord said he had been speaking this from their youth. And so as it goes on down into verse 24, as I live, says the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet on my right hand, yet I would pluck you off. So we've got these three kings that are mentioned here. We've got Jehoiahaz, Jehoiakim, and now we have Coniah or Jeconiah. And these are the, the final three kings in the history of Judah. So Coniah or Jeconiah, he, he's going to be the last one to sit upon the throne of David in the sense of being that lineage of David. And so he says, even if he were the signet, God is speaking, on my right hand, I would pluck you off and I will give you into the hand of those who seek your life and into the hand of those whose face you fear, the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the hand of the Chaldeans. So I will cast you out and your mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But the land to which they desire to return, they shall not return. And so this was the case. When Jeconiah came to the throne, he was very briefly there reigning, and Nebuchadnezzar came, and he was carried off to Babylon. But look at verse 28. This man, Keniah, a despised, broken idol, a vessel in which is no pleasure, the people... Now, we'll discover this when we go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel and Jeremiah are prophesying simultaneously. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem, and Ezekiel is in Babylon. And... 
Coniah goes to Babylon. He's taken to Babylon. But the people in Babylon are saying, he's going to be released. And he's going to go back and he's going to be the king and everything's going to be great. And that was the deception of the false prophets in Babylon who Ezekiel was contending with. And the Lord is saying here through Jeremiah, is this man Kaniah a despised broken idol, a vessel in which is no pleasure? The answer is yes. <laughs> That's exactly what he is. He's, he's a broken idol and he's, he's not going to do anything for anybody Why are they cast out, he and his descendants, and cast into the land which they do not know? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days, for none of his descendants shall prosper, sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. So this is the end, not of the Davidic dynasty. This is the end of the Solomonic dynasty. So all of these kings, going back to David, have been the descendants of Solomon. And now this uh, Solomonic uh, dynasty is, ends with Coniah. Now, as we read, Zedekiah is actually, as, as I pointed out before, Jeremiah doesn't have a chronological order. So Zedekiah is the last of the kings, but Zedekiah was the uncle of Kaniah. And he was placed on the throne by Nebuchadnezzar after Nebuchadnezzar ransacked the city uh, the first time. And so, so Zedekiah doesn't factor into the picture. Kaniah was the, the actual, you know, final, uh, as I said, Solomonic king. And so this has an interesting bearing on something that is somewhat mysterious in the New Testament genealogies. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. But chapter 23, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. And here the shepherds are the kings. He's referring to them as the shepherds. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. So, I mean, you think about the, the word regarding Kaniah and his sons and uh, the end of this Solomonic dynasty. This is, this is really, really, really depressing bad news, right? But then the Lord turns right around and says, but I'm going to raise up new shepherds. I'm going to raise up shepherds in the future that are going to be true shepherds. And then he speaks of the chief shepherd that he will raise up. And so look at verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. So these guys are cut off, but God says, I'm going to raise to David a branch of righteousness. So the Davidic dynasty will continue on 
It just will not continue on through the line of Solomon. And so, raised to David, a branch of righteousness, a king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called Yahweh, our righteousness. So this is obviously a prophecy about the Lord Jesus. And so God says, I'm going to raise up to David a righteous king. Now, when we come to the New Testament, in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, we have the genealogies, right? There's no genealogy in Mark and there's no genealogy in John. But Matthew and Luke both have the genealogies of Jesus, And Matthew, the perplexing thing is that the two genealogies have a number of the same people, but then they have a whole list of different names. So people, scholars have been perplexed trying to figure out, you know, what, why the different names? What does this actually mean? And there's a variety of opinions on why these genealogies have these differences, but I think the solution is simpler than sometimes the scholars think. I think the solution is simply that Matthew's gospel is the genealogy of Jesus going through Joseph and Luke's gospel gives us the genealogy of Jesus going through Mary. And of course, Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, right? He was the foster father, if you will. God is the father of Jesus. But here's the interesting thing. In Matthew's gospel, you have have the royal line through Solomon. And so Joseph would have been related back to these kings, back to Jeconiah. And those descendants of his who were not ever again going to sit upon the throne. So Joseph's related to them. So in the Jewish mind, Joseph would have the the legal right because he's connected back to those kings because his uh, genealogy traces him back to Solomon. But when you come to Mary, like I said, you find a whole list of different names and it begins where it says that Jesus as was supposed the son of Joseph, who was the son of Heli. In Matthew's gospel, we're told that Joseph was the son of, I think it's Matin, um, or Jacob. I think it's Jacob. Um, So in Matthew, Joseph's father's name is Jacob, and in Luke, Joseph's father is named Heli. How can that be? Well, because it's Joseph's father-in-law that is being spoken of. And so now you follow this line from Heli back, and just like with the line from, from Matthew, you go back to David, but Matthew takes you to David through Solomon, and Luke takes you to David through Nathan. So David's son Nathan is the connection to Mary. 
And so Mary is a descendant of David, not through Solomon, but through Nathan. Now, if that is indeed a curse upon the Solomonic line through Kaniah, then that doesn't affect Jesus because he is not connected to Solomon. Does that make sense? (laughs) Okay, I hope so. When you start confusing yourself, then you know there's a danger that other people might be getting confused. But, um, but you know, read, read those genealogies if you want to just get a, a fresh reminder of that. Because when you, when you read them, you see that they're clearly, well, they're clearly different. Now, some, again, there's a division. Different scholars think different things. Not everybody agrees that what I just said is actually the case. But I think it's the case. And others do, too. I, I think it's the most, I mean, after all, Jesus... Joseph is not his father. God is his father. So how is he connected to David? Well, he's got to be connected to David through Mary. And so Luke's genealogy really has to be Mary's genealogy. It can't be Joseph's genealogy because it doesn't connect to Solomon. It connects to Nathan. So there we have it. But the great promise, and of course, this is a promise that pertains to the future, right? Because in his days... This Lord, our righteousness, king, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Remember, these two nations are split apart. But now there's going to be a a reunion of the nation. And it's going to be through the king uh, who is the Lord, our righteousness. And so Jesus here, this beautiful prophecy about Jesus And therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. So we saw this uh, same wording previously and the context was a little bit different. Remember, it was, the context previously was kind of an emphasis that they're going to be driven out of the land. But here, the context is that when they come back, that they're no longer going to do what they've done all of these centuries to this very day. And that is make their connection to God through Moses and the exodus in Egypt. That's how they've always made their connection. That's how they make their connection today. But when they come back, they will no longer make that connection. Their connection now will be the fact that they were brought out of all of the nations and their connection is with this Davidic king who is Yahweh, our righteousness. So from that point forward, the Jewish people will not find their, their first connection to God through Moses or even Abraham, they'll find it where they always needed to find it through the Messiah, through the Lord, the Savior, Jesus. And so chapter 23 goes on and um, speaks of the prophets, the, the false prophets, the priests, they're profane, it says. Verse 14 also, I have seen horrible, a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They also strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. 
So, you know, I think it's always important to remember because we live in wicked times, right? And we live in times where you could sort of say the same thing, you know, prophet, priest, king, all of those in power and so forth. There's so much corruption. And what we have to say is there's nothing new under the sun. This is the way it is. And we shouldn't be surprised. I've said this before, but we shouldn't be surprised that there's wickedness in high places. We shouldn't be surprised because that was the case in a bona fide, legitimate theocracy. A theocracy. Remember, God is the king over Israel. And yet, even in that situation, you have all of this absolute corruption. So we shouldn't be all that amazed or perplexed or dumbfounded by the fact that there is corruption in our nation and amongst our leaders. The corruption, it just goes all the way through the culture. The line of corruption is, runs right down the center of every institution because it runs right down the center of every human heart. And so that's the problem. And so nothing new under the sun. Verse 16, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own hearts, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of their own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? You know, I mean, it is, is amazing because there, there's parallels today too. You know, there are people in positions of religious authority in various denominations and so forth who essentially will say the same thing to people who are rejecting God's word, to people who are blatantly violating the, the clear teaching of scripture. And they'll say, it, it's fine. God, God's okay with it. He doesn't have a problem. You just go on. He wants you to be happy. And, you know, they will give that same kind of advice today. You can find it in plenty of places. And you see it all over television and in, in the movies. You know, you see a, a corrupt minister putting his blessing on some thing that God disapproves of. And that, that happens in real life, not just in the movies. And that, that is a real thing. And so here in verse 21, he says, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran I've not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Now listen to verse 22. But if they had stood in my counsel and it caused my people to hear my words, they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. If they had stood in my counsel and it caused my people to hear my words. This is an interesting thing. God is saying... He's, he's laying the responsibility to some extent for this great wickedness in the land. He's just laying it completely on the shoulders of the, of the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders, for the fact that they did not seek him and they did not faithfully uphold and bring his word to the people.
For the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. With all the chaos, unrest, and uncertainty in our world, behind it all is the unseen realm where a spiritual battle is being waged. And this spiritual battle not only affects the world collectively, but even our lives individually. This month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will give you an understanding of the battle that is raging behind the scenes. You will understand the enemy who is waging war against you, his tactics, and how you can be equipped to emerge victorious. As people of God, we must be aware of the spiritual battle we're all involved in, the sophisticated ways in which we're constantly being attacked, and the provision for victory we have in Jesus. If you want to be equipped for the spiritual battle we're engaged in, or to be able to help others become equipped, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.